Welcome back to the Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Mac Hyper Jr., bringing you a little Doughboy remix to the intro, uh, trying my best to mimic the music that Sloan has oh so graciously provided for us. Uh, we got a special treat for you boys tonight. The Schaefer boys are out of commission, uh, so we're bringing in the Doughboys for a little Doughboy trade deadline pod. Like I said, Mac Hyper Jr. here, along with my co-host tonight. Co-host, introduce yourself. Oh, it's Doughboy number two. Everybody's favorite. I think uh, everybody was looking for a Doughboy remix on the pod. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, got a got a good slate for you guys. Um, gonna try and keep it similar to how uh, Josh and Sloan have always run. Uh, so, gonna start off with a little Week Ten recap. Um, Brian, I'll let you take the floor. What were your thoughts this past week with uh, with Week Ten? Yeah, uh, it was a really wild week. I feel like we had um, some some uncommon scores uh, from a lot of the league league members. So, um, and, you know, yet again, we had a bunch of table groupings, um, you know, coming down to the wire Monday night, literally, you know, down to the last play of the week impacting, impacting the rankings. But um, a couple of the surprises that really stood out to me, um, honestly, I mean, your team being number one, you know, atop the, the list of surprises, a really, really pitiful week, obviously, um, you were you were impacted uh, by by some injuries, by some underperformances. Um, just a, a really really rough week, almost you know underperforming by forty points. Um, Angad was right de- right down there with you. We all thought you know we were talking last week about how we felt like Angad had you know really made a move to kind of separate him from himself from the Waffle House trio, and uh, he I think kind of sank himself right back down to that mix um, with a really really poor performance. Um, this week. And then, I mean, some, you know, some surprises at the top. I mean, it was a really good week for, uh, for, for Austin and I, we, you know, kind of did what Anga did last week in terms of, you know, separating ourselves from, from the bottom, bottom tier. Dylan continued his dominance, Um, you know, big, big week for Tommy to put some distance between, between himself and, and you. Uh, And, you know, that, that could really come into play. This is exactly what Tommy needed to do to, you know, um, he's got to build up a bit of a lead before, before we get into that last week of the year where he's, he's really in trouble. So, uh, this is what he needed, but, uh, you know, he'll have to build on it for a couple more weeks. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed in that, uh, Eagles commanders game, obviously watching it more for myself. I don't remember if I sent this message in the, the group me or not, but there was a, I think it was like three or four points swing at the end, obviously you and Austin being so close to Tommy's score. And then me being so close to on good, my team scores a point and a half more. I gain a point on Tommy, you know, Devonta Smith doesn't get tagged with the fumble and you get, you know, a point beyond that. Terry McLaurin gets an extra point and now Tommy loses two points. That's a three point swing. And now instead of being seven behind Tommy, I'm only four behind Tommy, a lot more manageable within striking distance. So, uh, 
yeah, that game was very nerve wracking and disappointing for me. I can only imagine how disappointing it was for you to see your score go down and your score go back up, you know, go back down again. It was funny. I, at the end of that game, when, uh, the, the Eagles were, um, were receiving the last kickoff of the game, I was at, I was actively thinking like, it's, it's actually really bad for me that the game did not just end on that last commander's possession. Like if it had just ended on that possession without the, the Eagles getting the ball back, or like if the Eagles had been able to, you know, like get a nice little kick return together to get themselves down to like, you know, even their own 35 or 40 yard line to a point where they might consider a, you know, a hail Mary instead. Um, just because it was like, even if, even if Devonta wouldn't have been the one to catch the ball originally, like, I mean, he wasn't in this case, you just know at some point during that play, the ball's going to get into his hands and just wait, you know, like obviously 99% of those plays um, end with the team not scoring. And it feels like at least half of those plays end up with a, you know, a quote unquote fumble. And I, you just knew the second that, you know, Devonta released that, that it was not going to end well. So it's kind of one of those things where like, you know, knock on wood, I don't think it will, you know, that, that one table point will be the difference between me going to Waffle House or not, but it really could be like that, you know, that extra point would have been really nice. Um, so, I mean, I guess you survive in advance to another week. Something that, that I found really interesting in the week's results is I feel like it was a really good example of, um, how a team's depth uh, impacts, you know, like impacts their finish. Like, you know, I was looking at the weekly report this week and, um, you know, team, the teams at the top. So, so Josh and, and Dylan didn't really have that efficient of weeks in terms of picking the right players to start. Both of them were, were, you know, anywhere from, you know, 17 to almost 40 points off of their max, max available points. Um, and they still finished, you know, at the top of the league uh, this week. Um, and but then you get to teams like Austin and myself and Sloan uh, and even Tommy. We were all within, I think, seven points of our max total. So it just meant we all hit all the right buttons, you know, up and down our lineups. And we still weren't able to, you know, to beat out Josh or Dylan. Um, so I just really think that, come, you know, that shows like how hard it can be for those bottom teams to, to climb up the the table, because, you know, like I said, Josh and Dylan really didn't have that great of weeks in terms of, you know, picking the right players to start. And they still beat a bunch of teams that, that made, you know, almost perfect selections in terms of lineups. Yeah. It goes to what Josh has been saying the last few weeks about just the luck and the crap shoot that is fantasy football, um, you know, making those right picks and, it pays to to draft as well as Dylan did at the start, and then it pays to be so belligerently consistent on trading with people like Josh has over the last year and a half to, you know, create the teams that they have. So um, I do want to – I'm going to make another comment about my team and my, uh, my pitiful 84 points. Uh, I knew heading into week 10 this was going to be brutal. Um, part of the reason I made the deal, like – getting rid of Zach Wilson and then acquiring Tom Brady from you was so that way I could start two quarterbacks. Um, the unfortunate reality of this week for me was I was missing arguably three of my top five 
players. Uh, I had no Lamar. I had no Mark Andrews. I had no T Higgins. Um, and the only bright spot on my team was that Juju got hurt. So Kadarius Tony actually got touches and got the score touchdown. Uh, you know, Kenneth Walker had a pedestrian game. Tom Brady and Jones were okay, but David Montgomery was bad and it was just bad up Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett didn't do good. Like, so, you know, you attribute that depth talk. My depth did not, uh, not come out to play and I paid the price for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like you had players that had pretty good weeks. Like, I mean, I think you would take 18 from Daniel Jones. You'd probably take 16 from Brady most weeks. You'd obviously take 17 from Tony, you know, 10 from Walker is a little less than you'd like, but it's not terrible. And then it's just, you know, just terrible performances up and down the rest of your lineup. One thing that uh, I feel like you can relate to, um, I don't know how closely you or anybody else in the league has, has followed the bears backfield. I feel like you and I probably follow the bears backfield more than anybody else as uh, Montgomery and Herbert owners. But I realized that it's infuriating because they, they actually literally alternate series between Montgomery and Herbert all game long. So it's, you know, even if, even if Montgomery gets, you know, I don't know, six carries or six touches in a row, he, they won't, they won't swap them. You know, like Herbert doesn't come in like that is Montgomery's drive all the way through. And then the next drive out, it could be a three and out the next time out, but that is Herbert's drive. And if like, that's the end of it, they'll go back to Montgomery on the next time. Like it was infuriating. Like it was, you know, I caught on to that pattern and then it was, uh, it was Herbert's drive to be out there. And I was like, Oh, this will be, you know, a good time to like, you know, make up some ground. And that was when Justin Fields threw the pick six and uh, to, um, uh, to, to the lines. And I was thinking like, Oh, the, you know, well, Herbert was only out there for two plays. So I bet they'll just, you know, keep Herbert out there and Nope. David Montgomery comes trotting right out on the next drive. And they go on like, of course, like an 18 play drive down the field and Herbert never saw the field. And it's like, it is just like, it's infuriating because both of them get enough play that you got to keep them in, but not mm-hmm. enough that, you know, that you feel good about him. So I just thought well, was the best, the best part about it is that Justin Fields is now the lead running back for the exactly. Bears. So shout out to Tommy for uh, staying strong with old Justin Fields quickly Seriously. turning into the, the most improved fantasy player of the season and just, just racking up points for him. So yeah. QB four. QB4, might, who would have ever thought about Might that? be the biggest jump, because I feel like before he went on, I mean, this is a four-game stretch probably where he's tossed up 30-plus points. Yeah. We're I, at, he, he probably went from, like, QB 14, 13. Like that's a 10-player 10 10 jump. I'll give you a quick quick rundown here. So weeks one through, one through six, here are his outputs. So 13, 8, 3, 10, 15, 17. And then weeks seven through 10, you're at, 19, 26, 43, and 38. So absolute, you know, 180 from fields. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Remember when Lamar used to do stuff like that, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, but anyway, you know, really, really uh, interesting week, you know, in terms of, in terms of results from the week, uh, obviously, um, you know, Tommy made up, like I said earlier, Tommy made up a ton of ground on you. Ongid kind of uh, uh, slipped back down to the middle of the pack. 
Um, Colin, I believe, took over the bottom of the. Yes, he is now one point ahead of Mike. Oh yeah, they were tied. They were tied going into the week, and now Colin is last. Colin is last, and Mike. Oh, Colin's last. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so they were tied, and then Colin lost a point on Mike this week. So, and then uh, you are you on good and Austin all. Yep, we're all so it's Austin at forty two, and then Anga and I at forty three, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, really, really tight. So um, it'll be it's. I mean, this is going to be an important week. We're heading into kind of the home stretch here. Um, you know, still have some bye weeks hitting, but yeah, mm-hmm. a couple more to go. Four four final weeks left in the uh, in the regular season. So pretty crazy to say we're already there after a long, long off season. I know. So. But anyway, you want to uh, want to move on to our, our trade deadline analysis? Oh, yeah. The part that all of you have been just dying to listen to. This this is why you listen to the Doughboys. Talking trades. Yeah. Stuff that Brian and I love to do. So I'm- imagine imagine Sloan trying to analyze these. He wouldn't know half the players. Exactly. This is what countless hours of scrolling through Sleeper, ESPN, any other football app website gets you here. So we're let's be honest. Back. This is this is also coming from years and years of uh, Doughboy sleepovers, where all we did was play Madden. Well, time we said we again. we set up the dynasty. It was we were random team running it, trading people, getting picks, building yep. building elite level franchises. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to start it off uh, work in reverse chronological order. So we're going to start with uh, the first deal six days ago uh, between between Mike and Matt. So uh, in this deal, Mike acquired Najee Harris, uh, Matt acquired Gerald Everett and a 2025 first. So uh, before I weigh in, Matt, you know, you want to run everybody through the thought process and what you thought of your return? Yeah. So honestly, hindsight 2020, I wish I would have traded Najee a week earlier. Um, just because I don't know. I mean, the, the output has not been there, you know, yards per carry. Najee wasn't really great last year, but he got a ton of receptions, um, a lot of receiving touchdowns in the goal line with big Ben, not really getting the same kind of mojo going with Kenny Pickett. And it was just something where, you know, my options were to be stubborn and ride out, Najee Harris in the hopes that maybe next year he can turn it around with a year two Kenny Pickett. Maybe they get a better offensive line or kind of sell him at, uh, you know, a respectable value, I would say, um, to kind of build for the future. So he is an older running back. We'll see how, where things go, but you know, that was kind of my thought process and, uh, Mike and I had, I had already texted Mike previously about Gerald Everett, um, you know, last week with Andrews being on a buy, it meant Isaiah likely was on a buy. So I didn't have, I mean, my option at tight end was Jawan Johnson. Um, so with no Keenan Allen and no Mike Williams, Gerald Everett's been doing pretty good. So I was like, I think he's going to be a serviceable tight end. And then being able to get a first round pick in that, even if it's in 2025 and all honesty by 2025, Najee's going to be. 27 because he's an older running back. So, um, you know, he's probably, I mean, I'm hoping he's on the decline and we'll see where Mike's immense plethora of picks take him and his team. 
but a first round pick is a, is a first round pick in this case. And I'd love to love to brew punish. I think the first round pick was the key to this deal. I really think that if you had not pulled, I think this was kind of the last week to pull the trigger on getting a first round pick for Najee. Like unless he just really finishes the year strong, which I mean, he does have favorable matchups as, as Sloan would say, there's an awful lot of green in his schedule, <laughs> but uh, um. I, you know, barring, barring a, a, a big turnaround, like I don't, I don't really see a lot of people parting with a first, especially in the off season when, you know, as Josh likes to talk about first round pick value, you know, kind of increases. So I, I think that you, um, you probably struck at the, you know, at the right time, maybe a week or so off, like you said, but uh, just in terms of, you know, this was probably the last time you were going to get a first for Najee. That being said, I don't think it's like wrong of Mike to part with a first for Najee, but, you know, I, I think for, for your team, that was probably the right call. Um, pretty just jarring. I mean, like, you know, Najee Harris through, through 10 weeks, nine games, because they've had their bye. Um, not a single game producing over 12 points. Like I, you know, if, if you had told us that at the beginning of the year, I think, you know, anybody probably would have just assumed that he got hurt at some point, mm-hmm. um, you know, snap percentage has decreased, you know, each of the last three weeks. Um, it's just, just hasn't necessarily been a pretty sight. And, and to your point, just hasn't been involved in the receiving game the way it was last year. Um, kind of has done the opposite of Justin Fields Got, went from, you know, running back four last year to running back 29. So um, pretty, pretty big drop off Um, in terms of, you know, my analysis of the deal. I love the deal for Mike. It makes a lot of sense for his team to take on Najee. It's a, you know, kind of, even though parting with the first, it's like almost inherently can't be low risk, but I, you know, given Mike's plethora of picks, I do feel like it's kind of a low risk, high reward play for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Najee does line up fairly well uh, in terms of, you know, Mike's time window, you know, Mike might have to deal in, you know, in a couple of years, uh, you know, if, if his team doesn't come together um, in the right way. Uh, in terms of your side, I obviously love getting the first. I'm not necessarily huge on acquiring a, a tight end um, unless you're going to start him every single week, which I mean, you very well may. But to me, just I, I don't really feel like tight end production is sticky from one year to the next. Like it just feels like the one position group that like, can be impacted by every other aspect of the offense. Like, you know, if you have a stud wide receiver, you know, their, their production is probably going to be pretty similar one week to the next or one year to the next. Um, but it just feels like with tight end, like, you know, if the team gets a good running back, you're, you're screwed. If the team gets another great wide receiver, you're screwed. If their quarterback, you know, takes a, takes a dive, you're screwed. So it is what it is. I mean, Everett will be good for the rest of the year. You're trying to make the playoffs. I don't, you know, I don't see any problem with that. So, um yeah overall pretty solid deal you ready to move on to the next one here yes sir okay so i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think we got what uh we got mike and sloan's pj walker deal right yeah starting off starting off trade deadline sunday yeah or trade deadline monday sorry yeah so uh not, I wouldn't say necessarily a ton to talk here, you know, tough luck for Mike to, you know, have PJ Walker ruled out almost immediately after the deal, but you know, just parted with a third. So it was, it was worth the risk in my opinion. I guess my confusion is why, why go after PJ Walker in the first place? I think, yeah, I think it was just starting, starting quarterback that he needed to have for that week. Okay. Just because of, because of buys. I gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. 
So, and I mean, you know, good on Sloan to get a third for PJ. Like that's, you take that value any day. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So moving on here, big, big deal. Probably, probably the biggest of the deadline, you know, your Najee deal might be bigger, but uh, Mike acquiring Matt Ryan, a 2024 first from Angad a 2025 second from Angad and then Angad getting PJ Walker and Trey Lance. So uh, you want to kick us off on this one? What are your thoughts? Yeah. um, In all honesty, this was probably like one of the moves I would have never like seen coming in the week. You know, we think I, I go into the trade deadline thinking about, okay, who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller kind of have in your mind that, you know, exchanges are going to be made with teams at the top and teams at the bottom not necessarily two bottom teams and especially not, you know, not to say that Trey Lance isn't immovable, but it was just kind of sock shocking to see, you know, first round pick, second round pick, Trey Lance, Matt Ryan, like a lot of pieces involved, a lot of valuable pieces, things you would hope to be valuable. So um, Mike gets his, you know, bi-week quarterback and Matt Ryan, who Jeff Saturday has full faith in. He gets a first and a second for Trey Lance, who is Trey Lance worth a first and a second? I don't – I mean, in this case, you're saying Trey Lance is worth a first, second, and Matt Ryan, but, you know, I don't – me personally, I don't think he is. I don't think Trey Lance showed me enough in those first couple of weeks to say he's worth all of that. Now, again, on good could be going big here. I mean, I think this is a high risk, high reward kind of thing. Like Trey Lance already being injured. You don't love to see that Jimmy Garoppolo's success with the 49ers recently, you know, like the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey. Like I just don't necessarily know how Trey Lance will fit into the scope of the team in the future. But I mean, if it works out and they turn into this like wild Oregon type of offense where it's just, speedsters all over the place and misdirection and Trey Lance is running and throwing and, you know, he turns into a stud, then this could be a super, a super steal for our good. But yeah, we'll to, to me, I think that's, that sums it up perfectly in terms of like, this is just a really, really risky move for Angad. Like I could see this deal kind of jumpstarting his rebuild. And, you know, like if you get a, I mean, hell, like if, if Trey Lance comes back and, and looks like a stud, like having a 23 year old quarterback, like, I mean, you could be set up at one of your quarterback spots for the next 10 years. Like if he's as good as, you know, as, as you know, what a number three overall pick would, would typically be expected to, to be. That's awesome. But I just, with the, the lack of elite competition in in college, the, uh, the injury history, you know, granted it was only one full game, but like not that great of a showing against a bad defense in Chicago. Grant, I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, hurricane that week, I'm pretty sure, but like, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great, wasn't a great output. I, it's just, it's just risky. And I, I, you know, I worry for on giving up his own pick. Um, a lot of his players are aging, you know, he probably won't have Kamara for, you know, at least parts of next season. Like, I just worry that he, that pick could end up being, you know, a top three or four pick. And, you know, I mean, I guess if Lance, if Lance turns around, that's exactly who who you'd want to pick at three or four. So, you know, it's a, it works out, but 
if Lance doesn't work out, if Lance gets injured again, if Lance isn't ready for the beginning of the year, that could be a really, really valuable pick to part with. But, you know, I, it's kind of one of those deals where I, I feel like we're going to look back in a year and have a really strong opinion on who won this trade. But right now it's hard to just definitively say Agreed. that one side is better than the other. Yeah. I mean, shout out, shout out to on good for taking, taking a gamble and betting on himself. So yep. this yep. year has no, not been, this year has not been kind of on good. So I think he's looking at it as if this year has been so bad, maybe next year will be really good for him. Yep. Oh, it could be. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the table can flip in a year, so it doesn't take much. Absolutely. So let's go on to the next one here. This one will definitely be quicker. Um, you know, just a, <laughs> a, a small little deal here. Uh, Josh acquiring Gus Edwards and a 23 second, which is Tommy's, uh, and Mike acquiring acquiring Jalen Warren uh, in a 2025 20, second um, from Josh. So you know, quick, quick hitter on this one. Yeah. Mike gets his cuff for Najee. I know in texting with Mike about Najee, he said him and Josh were going back and forth, trying to make a Jalen Warren uh, deal. So, you know, he gets his cuff to have the running back for the Steelers for the rest of the season moves back, presumably moves back a little bit in the, well, it's a 2025 second. So, but you know, gives up a future second that in all honesty is probably going to be kind of at the back end for a back end of the middle second for Gus Edwards. Josh gets a, I don't know if you can call Gus Edwards a starting running back. Does Gus does Josh have Kenyon Drake? Uh, I believe he does. Okay. So, I mean, it's a nice little swap. Josh, you know, holds down the, the Ravens running back room prior to uh, whatever happens with J.K. Dobbins. Does he have him or no? I think he did have him. I think he, he doesn't anymore. Uh, no. I'll look. I'm just shooting out my butt. No, he does have him. He does have okay. him. Sorry. Yeah. I'm a genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think it makes sense. Swap seconds, get a running back that benefits your team more. And, you know, it's kind of wild to think that the only move that Josh made this trade deadline was something so minuscule, but – Kind of was yeah. expecting some bangers from him. Yeah, no, we'll we'll definitely get to that. So um, we'll wrap up here. Last uh, deal, the a deadline. This one, this one's got a little crazy story behind it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll start. This was uh, Matt and Austin's deal. So Matt acquires Devin Singletary and a fourth this year. Austin acquires Juwan Johnson, the tight end for the Saints, um, a 2025 third and a 2022 third. Um, from Dylan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you want to run us through your thought process on acquiring Singletary. Yeah. So I've been actually messaging Austin periodically throughout the season um, about Singletary, messaged him over his honeymoon, made an offer for him, but Austin didn't see it. And then just kind of things went kind of downhill. When the actual NFL trade deadline was happening, I was kind of out on Singletary at that point, just with rumors of what the Bills may or may not do. Um, And then I had contemplated texting Austin about Singletary, had some other things that were kind of going on in the background that I wanted to see through first. And then he reached out to me, said, hey, Singletary is still available if you like him. Uh, I sent him a deal. Uh, actually, he had sent me when I when we him and I did the Amari Cooper, Zach Wilson deal. Um, it originally started with him offering Devin Singletary for Malik Willis in a fourth. 
at that time I was like, oh, Malik Willis, I think is going to be pretty good, blah, 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 a lot of potential. Um, so that's what I started with was Malik Willis in a fourth, turned into Willis in a third. And then he was like, wait, what about uh, what about two thirds and Jawan Johnson? And then I was like, I'll do that if you throw back a fourth. And he said, let's do it. And that was it. It was a very, yeah. very quick interaction. Like all of that was sent within a span of like seven minutes, maybe. See, and that's that's uh, that's where the story comes in here. Because uh, Austin and I had a deal done on Devin Singletary. Very few people know this. Austin and I had a deal done on Singletary. Same type framework as the one that Matt got through with. Um, he and I, on the other hand, had been talking for like three or four hours to put this together. Going back and forth. We went from everything from, let's see, um, I offered a third in Hunter Henry. He asked for... Uh, um, uh, a second in Singletary for Devonte Adams, and we, you know, kept trading back and forth. Then we like really started to narrow in on a deal, and I said, you know, like we, I, I gave him the option of Hunter Henry and two thirds for Devin Singletary, saying he, you know, I've, I've got a fair amount of thirds throughout the next couple drafts. So I said you can pick which of the thirds that you want. You know, I don't, I don't care, but just Hunter Henry and two thirds. And he, uh, you know, took a couple minutes to think about it. And then actually, ironically, seven minutes later responded and said, um, on gets third and your 2025 third, you know, he'll, he'll go for. So I said, cool, I'll send it over. I send him over the, the offer. And during this time, Andy and I were out with a friend picking up dinner from a restaurant. So we were in the restaurant, picked up dinner, we got in the car and like, before we pulled away, I said, you know, like, you know, Andy, Michelle, like, I don't wait for a second. Like I got to send this trade over. And they were like, giving me a hard time for, you know, being so into fantasy football as, as we all are. And um, so I send the deal over, I tell Austin it's, you know, it's there, you can go accept it. And I remember we were like 10 minutes from home and I saw my phone light up from getting a text. And I was like, that's probably the trade going through. Like that's, you know, Austin just accepted the trade. I'm, you know, curious to see what people think. And then the phone lights up once more and I'm like, okay, well that's probably the trade. You know, like it, it went from pending to, to complete it. There we go. Like it's through, I got Devin Singletary. And then I get home and it turns out the two times my phone lighted up were texts from Austin at 6.29 p.m. saying, I think I got an offer I like just a little bit more, Brian. And then two minutes later going, sorry, boss, and accepting the other deal. <laughs> so in the span of seven minutes, I went, well, in the span of honestly two minutes, I went from thinking that I had acquired Devin Singletary in, a, in what I thought was a pretty good deal for myself to uh, sorry, boss, from Austin. Hey, it's a, it's a cutthroat cutthroat business here making uh, trade deadline deals so i it's, i mean props props to austin seriously for, you know i will say austin has really embraced the idea of you know knocking some of his guys down a tier you know doing the stefan Diggs for dk gets younger adds a first there um, you know, moving off of Singletary, who's 25 or, you know, 24, 25, whatever he is, getting some picks back in that aspect, especially like, you know, he's accumulated a couple firsts, but he's got some seconds and thirds. And I think he's kind of buying into the value of having 
darts to throw at the dartboard to try and see people stick, um, which is good to see. Um, you know, he's turning into a little trade degenerate, like, you know, yourself, myself, Josh, Mike. You love to see it. I'm good. So, um, welcome yeah. to the brotherhood, Austin. Yeah. But love, love to see Austin out here just playing the field and getting, getting the deal he likes best, uh, for the value he sees. So, Honestly, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I know we're not doing like an Austin's roster analysis here, but I actually, I feel like he's done a pretty good job of like doing a little mini reload, I guess you'd call it in mm-hmm. terms of like, obviously his quarterback situation is really rough. And like, you have to think he's probably acquiring those firsts to be able to go get a quarterback or two, but like Saquon and Jonathan Taylor, like obviously JT's had a bad year, but like Saquon and JT should be pretty good players for, for a couple more years. McLaurin, Olave, Rondale Moore, like I, you know, all three of them DK. have had pretty good years. DK, obviously, like, you know, I think there's some good players on his team that, you know, can really help him, help him turn around, especially when you supplement it with, with three top 20 picks in this next year, he's got, four third rounders, which is, I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, contrary to Josh's opinion, I feel like this year proved that third rounders, you know, there, there can be some value there. You probably have to play them right away. Like they're probably not going to hold value for years and years, but like you can go get some, some impact players, you know, in their rookie season in that, in that range. So, you know, he's got four, you know, four of the 10 picks in the third round. I mean, like you could walk away with guys like, with guys like Brian Robinson and guys like Tyler Algier and, you know, guys that can make a difference. So, um, I, you know, I'm not saying he's lighting the world on fire, but I think Austin's making a lot of smart decisions. Yeah. So totally agree with that. Wrapping up. Um, we're going to move on our, with our trade deadline talk here to, uh, trade de- deadline winners, trade deadline losers and trade deadline surprises. So each of us is going to name one winner, one loser, and one one surprise. That can either be a team or just kind of a theme about, you know, how the trade deadline played out. So, um, well, obviously, we're, you know, this is a positive podcast. We're going to start with the winners. So, uh, Matt, you want to you wanna give us your uh, number one winner of the trade deadline? Yeah, um, my opinion, my winner uh, is the guy that made the most deals. That's Mike. Um, you know, I think he did a good balance of like taking a risk with getting Najee, um, and giving up a first that's, you know, in the, the further future kind of banking on the fact that this, all these, you know, top picks he has will actually pan out. Um, and then that deal with on good, I thought, like I said, very surprising deal. Um, I think he makes that move similarly to why I wanted to give up Najee little hesitation with Trey Lance get some pretty peak value for him. Um, so yeah, Mike is Mike's my, my winner of the deadline for being willing to move off another one of those quarterbacks that he has also held on to dearly. Absolutely. So uh, my winner of the trade de- deadline, honestly, is you, I, I don't think, you know, there, there weren't necessarily a ton of big deals uh, to, to choose from here, especially, you know, with, you having chosen Mike, I, uh, I just think like, you know, like I said earlier, I think you made the right decision with Najee at the right time. Um, you know, I think you, you let the season play out. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't giving you the the kind of production that you needed 
Um, so you shipped him for, for what I think is, is fair value. Um, Gerald, Gerald Everett is a player you can play the rest of the season. You made the move for Singletary, which I think was a smart move as well. Um, and so that's where it's like, I see, you know, I see it as like you shipped, you know, you, you obviously lost Najee Harris, but I think you more than replaced that production. I think you improved your overall production with, with Gerald Everett and Devin Singletary coming back. Um, so I just think that's, you know, you're, we, we talk about all the time, like in this league, like you can't, you can't pass up an opportunity to make the playoffs. Like, you know, Josh and Dylan definitely look like the strongest contenders contenders to win it, but it's a short playoff season. Like you, there's no room for mistakes. So if your team gets in and you get hot, you know, if you get a two touchdown performance from, from Gerald Everett, if you get, you know, a hundred yard rushing game from, from Singletary, like that could be, that could be the difference between winning and losing. And I just think that was, that was a savvy move there. So um, you're, you're my winner for the deadline. Uh, let's move on to losers. Uh, so who was your, who was your top, you know, quote unquote loser. I want, I want to be clear. I don't think anybody bombed the trade deadline here, but you know, just some, some player, you know, some teams that maybe could have made moves that they didn't. Yeah. Um, honestly, my, and I, I don't like using the word loser here. I think it's more of, and I'm going to audible on this one to you, Brian, but I think a, an opportunity was missed by Tommy. Um, you know, yes, he's been riding Justin Fields' coattail these last few weeks, gaining ground. You know, I had a pitiful showing, um, but with week 14 looming in the distance, knowing he's not going to have good, if any, I don't know if it's like he literally has no quarterbacks or like the only quarterback he can start is terrible. But, you know, having that week 14 kind of hanging over his head in the future, um, you know, Jamar Chase being hurt um, and like having an unclear timetable on when he comes back, Keenan Allen's been really inconsistent. George Kittle with the addition of Christian McCaffrey is kind of getting shoved to the side. Like, you know, Amon Rosman in and out of the lineup. I just feel like Tommy was a person that could have made a deal or two to really either improve at a position or like strengthen up his bench to kind of overcome these issues to really hammer in that, you know, he's going to overtake me and make it to the playoffs. So I think I was, I was surprised that Tommy didn't make any moves. And I think because of that, I think an opportunity was missed by him. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I love that he didn't make any moves because now I feel good about maybe surpassing him and uh, sneaking in the playoffs. Yeah, and he 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 has zero start startable quarterbacks in Week 14. Not you know, all three of his his starting quarterbacks are on by. Um, what he does have in his favor is he has more fab than everybody else by a long shot. So you know, like if you get if you get a week 12, week 13 quarterback injury, like Tommy, Tommy can guarantee himself to get the backup. If that backup's available, there's a lot of backups that are, that are already rostered. Um, so, you know, like he needs some things to fall his way, but you know, he does at least have the fab in his back pocket if he, uh, if he decides to use it. So uh, I agree with that call though. For me, the, the big loser was Sloan. I feel like I, I, and again, I, I shouldn't say big loser. I don't think that's a, that's a fair term. Like you said, I, you know, I don't think Sloan tanks the deadline. I just think, you know, I just, I guess I don't really understand the, the thought process. Like he is a playoff team, even though he did have a pretty poor week this week uh, or not pretty poor, you know, he was middle of the middle of the road team this week. Um, I just don't understand 
you know, shipping away Devonte, and then immediately asking for win now players in return. I mean, um, I, that just to me, like you had, you had Devonte, you know, locked and loaded. He had two awesome weeks, the two weeks he's been, or two of the three weeks he's been on my team. Um, he's had really awesome weeks. So I just don't understand that thought process. And I feel like he, uh, he is the one team, you know, out of the playoff teams from three weeks ago that has actually gotten worse. I don't think Tommy has gotten any better. And I, but I think, you know, you've gotten better. Uh, you know, obviously Josh has gotten injured, but you know, he's still got a deep team. Dylan's, you know, Dylan's doing well. So that's, that's one where I just, I guess I just don't get the overall thought process. Not so much that Sloan made any serious mistakes and, in this last week or anything like that. So um, any surprises? What's your, what's your top surprise of the week? Yeah. I mean, I kind of mentioned it earlier. My top surprise is on good. Um, I was very shocked to see, I wasn't necessarily surprised to see him make a move. I was just more surprised that the move he made was getting rid of future picks to get, I mean, I don't think, like I said, I don't think obtaining Trey Lance is a bad move. I think time is going to tell whether or not it works out for him. You know, we mentioned high risk, high reward, but I was more so kind of shocked that the move he made wasn't, you know, sending away Alvin Kamara to get some, a younger player and some picks like to try and replenish and kind of restock his team. But if he's got faith in his team next year and that Trey Lance can like make it happen, then, you know, kudos to him. But like I said, seeing on good make a trade wasn't surprising, but the trade on good did make was surprising to me. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, for me, the biggest surprise was, was Josh Nate not making a big deal. Uh, obviously he made, he made a move or two around the edges, but uh, to me, like, that Cooper cup injury is, is really devastating um, or could be, I guess, you know, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. Um, Obviously, you know, Josh is a team that has accumulated quite a lot of depth. Um, He, you know, I'm I'm by no means saying that that deal or, you know, that injury deal, that injury uh, like, you know, ends his season or anything, but um, it just takes like, you know, there, he has great depth, but, it doesn't mean that all of his depth is guaranteed to produce week in and week out. Cooper cup is guaranteed to produce week in and week out, you know, Kelsey Diggs, you know, Eckler for the most part, Jalen hurts, Kyler, you, you expect great production from them week in week out. But, you know, I think, I think his championship is going to be win or lost uh, with his flex spots. I think, you know, Dylan has, has uh, good production. I think the other playoff teams could catch up, um, you know, if he has, has a bad week one in the playoffs, um, and, you know, really separate themselves from Josh. But I, I think, um, you know, right now his his flex spots for this week are TJ Hawkinson, DJ Moore, and George Pickens. Uh, obviously with, you know, Chris Godwin being on by, Godwin could be, you know, flexed in there as well. But all four of those players are like, you know, they, they should do well on any given week. You should be able to expect, you know, eight to 12 points minimum out of them. But they're not, you know, they're not, immune to to a two-point week or a three-point week or whatever and that I mean that could make a big difference so to me I just you know Josh is all in he is going for it this year he has depth he has picks like I mean he's got he's even got good players on his taxi squad like I just I I don't I don't know why you know you you don't kind of go all you know all chips in here that's that's my only surprise Mm -hmm. I will say 
kind of adding in just because I had interactions with them to Sloan and Josh's credit. I don't know who all else they texted about deals. I know they were both talking with me um, about, they both texted me about the same player being AJ Brown. Um, and, you know, me being trying to go for the, uh, the playoffs, I was going to hold AJ Brown at a, at a high price. Um, and they just never made it up to the price that I was willing to, to give him at, but you know, when it comes down to the trade deadline, if you're a top team, you know, it's how much of a quote unquote overpay are you willing to make to, you know, make a move for a guy like that. And, you know, uh, for them and ended up just like not, not working out in that case with me, uh, I would be hard pressed to say that Josh didn't kind of bug some other people and come to kind of the same conclusion. So, you know, I mean, yes, I mean, Josh has a team that I would be very comfortable riding out with heading into the playoffs, Yeah. But, you know, yeah. having that Cooper cup thing, you know, one of your staple studs and, and cup, to swallow. cup could be back for the playoffs. Who knows? But you know, that's, that's tough. Um, I was definitely in talks with Devon or with uh, Sloan about Devante and then Josh. Um, I really thought Josh and I were going to come to kind of a 11th hour deal, um, you know, while we were watching Monday night football, but it just didn't pan out. So I mean, it is what it is. You got to, you know, make the moves that are right for your team. So uh, we are, uh, we're going to wrap up this week's pod, this Doughboy, uh, Doughboy pod with um, uh, what you guys know us for some, some good old rookie rankings. So this is going to be just a quick, uh, quick, like kind of top 10 power ranking, you know, first round redraft, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is just going to be, you know, like, this is the player that should have been taken number one, irregardless of team. This is the rookie that should have been taken number two, or number three, number four, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we had a chance to redo, redo our rookie draft. So um, Matt, I'm going to let you go first here. Uh, if you were, if you were picking first overall, irregardless of team, who you take a number one. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's hard pressed to still say that Brees Hall doesn't go number one still, you know, obviously the ACL tear is tough. Um, but as we've seen, ACL tears are, I want to say easily able to come back from, but there's a strong history of guys being able to come back, um, from ACL tears, but you just have to, the production that Brees was having and the momentum that he was gaining in that Jets offense is everything that you want and need to see out of a number one pick. I thought, you know, over the course, like in terms of impact, the most impactful rookie. Um, so he, Rightfully so, was the number one pick and should have been the number one pick. I agree. Uh, number two, I would probably go with Kenneth Walker in this spot. Um, Kenneth Walker has gotten the production, especially since Rashad Penny's gotten injured. And I think, you know, a lot of us have, you know, me me probably at the top of the list have, have learned our lesson about the, the fragility of the running back position. And, you know, there you can just – you can literally never have enough, you know uh, – dominant dominant you know snap share running backs on your team like they're just too many wild things can happen between injuries trades you know all this different stuff uh you know you cannot have enough of them so uh kenneth walker would be an awesome pick at number two uh coming in at number three um big jump here uh i think chris olave knowing what we know now Chris Olave should have been the number like should have and would have gone number three Um, immediate impact in new Orleans. Granted 
you can say some or most of that has been helped out by Michael Thomas being inconsistent and now being out for a while, Jarvis Landry being inconsistent. But, you know, even with both of them out, teams know Chris Olave is the guy and Chris Olave is still going out there and getting, you know, six, seven, eight catches a game for 70 plus yards. Um, he looks the part of a very like a wide receiver you want to have on your team, a wide receiver you should be starting on your team. You know, Austin made the call to move him up and he's been, he's been very productive this season. Um, you know, really played into the, the opportunity that he had. So I would, knowing what we know now, take him at three. Yep. Um, at four, I would go Garrett Wilson. I, he's had some ups and downs. Uh, obviously his quarterback is not that great. Um, and you know, it's kind of a tough offense, but I just think you've seen enough flashes from him that, that show that he's probably going to be, you know, at worst, uh, a wide receiver three, but you know, much more likely a wide receiver one or wide receiver two, um, in, in fancy for the next couple of years. So I, I'd go Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, I would go Drake London. Um, yeah, I mean, similar story to Garrett Wilson. London hasn't really blown off the waters with any weekly output. He did get a touchdown this past week. Uh, that, as Brian and Mike know, I correct, correctly predicted in my uh, Thursday night football parlay. Um, but, you know, the target share's been there. He can't help that. Marcus Mariota is not the the greatest passing quarterback and just the offense from a passing standpoint doesn't look very good. So, but I think, I think you still like what you've seen out of Drake London and where his production can go from there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, where are we at six here? Yeah. Number six, right? uh, number six, I'd probably go George Pickens, uh, Josh Pickens in, in the second round uh, this year. Um, he's definitely flashed. Uh, you know, he's, he's, becoming a top target and, and Pittsburgh has, you know, has shown some, you know, ridiculous athleticism. Um, you know, he, he hasn't quite had the monster weeks of some of the other rookies. I think he and London have had pretty similar production um, so far, but obviously just a lot more was expected of London. Um, so Pickens, you know, definitely a big riser. So that's, you know, if I had the chance, I'd probably go him at six. I like it. Uh, another kind of big riser here at seven. Uh, Dylan took him, I think, at the 12th pick, 2 2. Uh, but uh, Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans, the running back. Um, you know, Josh goes through his analytics of oh, you know, third, fourth round running backs don't really have a lot of hold or wherever Pierce was drafted, blah 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 blah. There's something to be said about a dude that just plays as hard as he does. Like he's literally one of the bright spots that the Texans have. They've got some, you know, extra picks. And I feel like as an organization for Houston, they're going to hold on to Pierce as the running back, like knowing what they have. I mean, you look at like the running backs we have now that are the studs, the Kamara, Aaron Jones, you know, CMC, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, like all those dudes are in the same draft class. And the majority of them were bottom of the round undrafted in Eckler's case. So, I mean, if you can play ball, you can play ball. And it really looks like Pierce can play. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, at eight here, I would take uh, Jameson Williams, um, just too much talent to, to let him, you know, slip much farther than that. Obviously, like it would have been really nice to have seen him on the field by now. 
Um, but you know, like he teared the ACL and tore the ACL in uh, January, I think. So, you know, you're just now approaching kind of the 11th month mark. Um, so he should be back. You would think any week now. Um, so that's, you know, obviously production is zero, but uh, I just think it's too much talent, especially with kind of the other options on the board. I think you got to bank on some potential with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my last spot at nine pains me to see this person drop so far. Cause he was one of my favorite rookies, but Traylon Burks, again, you go, you talk about like the upside potential. You still have to like Burks upside. Um, it's just that Tennessee offense just like cannot pass the ball. So it's another one of those situations like, honestly, like London and Wilson in New York and Atlanta, um, you know, run first teams, not really passing as much. Burks just doesn't have the, the share that Wilson or London have had. He's also been hurt, uh, which kind of gives a knock on him. But I still think the upside and potential upside keeps him in the first round as number nine and what would have been the draft. He's uh, he's off to a pretty good start tonight on Thursday night football. He's already got four catches for 53 yards about halfway through go. the second quarter. So there you go. Pretty good pick. Um, rounding out our top 10 here, uh, you know, and what would be kind of our redraft. Um, I would probably go, uh, go Kenny Pickett here. Um, you know, I, I think him already having picked up the starting job in Pittsburgh is, is nice to see. He's definitely not lighting the world on fire, but he's not been terrible. Um, I think, I think there's, you know, there's enough value in having a starting quarterback to, to include him in the top 10. Um, it's not one I feel awesome about. There's plenty of other players that, you know, probably could be deserving of that spot, but I just think the quarterback value kind of boosts him up. So, um, real quick before we wrap up, who would be, you know, just rapid fire your next five or six off the board. Um, next five or six from there. Um, I personally really love, uh, I mean, in no particular order, uh, seeing Rashad White kind of take the shares he has from uh, Leonard Fournette. You know, we talked about his pass catching ability this past week. He really showcased his running ability. Um, I think Rashad White moves up. You know, he was a second round pick, but I think you can slot him up a little bit more. Um, Brian Robinson with the same thing. You know, one of those third round picks. Uh, I think he did some really good stuff against the Eagles. He's kind of taken over as the lead. Granted, it's a shared backfield, but, you know, doing some good stuff in Washington. Um, and then, uh, Alec Pearson, Indy again, another guy that's shown flashes back into the second round. Um, and then, you know, Jahan Dotson as well, pre-injury, uh, those first couple weeks, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, you know, he just has recently come off of, of being hurt for a long time. So I, I think he should still be included in that exterior of the next best. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one other I'd throw in there is probably Greg Dulcich. Just, you know, tight ends are hard to come by. He's had an awesome rookie season. Uh, I think I think he's definitely deserving. Obviously, Romeo Dobbs, another one that you could, you could talk in there. Honestly, a little bit of a sleeper, Daniel Bellinger. I'm a big Daniel Bellinger fan in New York. I think he's somebody that, you know, has shown some flashes as well. So mm-hmm. uh, any last thoughts here? Honestly, the last thought is uh, good luck to everyone these last four weeks. Hopefully you're content with where your teams are at and, um, you know, excited that uh, the playoff race, you know, hopefully I get back in it and make it a make it a three dog race for those last two spots um, and then excited to see what happens at the bottom.
Yeah, no, absolutely. So, well, everybody that's stuck around, thank you for listening. It's been awesome. It's been, a, I, I think uh, we've done the Doughboys proud here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we've done the name proud. So, um, yeah, I, I echo what Matt said. Good luck to everybody. Thanks for listening. The Doughboys are out. Doughboy out.